Well, good morning, Summit. Uh, everyone here in the room or watching online, my name is Amy Russell and I am part of the staff team here. And uh, it is amazing to, to be back in uh, this room with you. As you may be aware, we've had some recent changes uh, on our staff team and some responsibilities have, have shifted. So right now, um, I am helping to serve with our youth and our young adults. And our, t our staff team has rearranged our um, uh, the ministry work to make this possible, and I am loving the privilege that it is to serve with our uh, next gen. Uh, we've been seeing God do some really incredible things. Uh, it's amazing. New youth and new young adults have been coming out, and friendships are deepening, and young people are serving, and faith is developing. It is really cool. And we've also had a lot of fun as well. We've done things like uh, escape rooms or uh, scavenger hunts or uh, trampoline parks. Uh, we ensure a steady diet of uh, candy and pizza and ice cream and french fries. Uh, you know, hanging around with teenagers, I've been learning some new words in my vocabulary. Uh, things like situationship uh, or um, you-coded. Uh, or the word that is actually the word of the year from Oxford Dictionary, it's, it's riz. Uh, but I, my own teenagers absolutely forbid me from using any of these words in public. Um, did you know too that when you, when you text, there's no such thing as punctuation? Uh, I'll be honest, I'm a Gen Xer, I'm in my 40s, and punctuation is something that I do, sometimes even something that I like. I feel like it helps us communicate uh, well together and helps us understand each other. Punctuation, uh, it can change the whole meaning of a sentence. Um, for example, when you forget about it, uh, it, can, it can change the meaning of a sentence entirely. Uh, for example, I love cooking my dogs and my family versus I love cooking my dogs and my family. <laughs> or if we add a comma in where it shouldn't be, we get the panda eats, shoots, and leaves versus the panda eats, shoots, and leaves. Uh, or here's another one. It's taken from a well-known Christmas carol. God rest ye, merry gentlemen, versus God rest ye, merry gentlemen. And the language is old. The carol was written in like the 16th century. And that word rest actually is to mean to keep, uh, that God would cause to, uh, to, to continue to remain. Uh, and then in the lyric, the comma is often misplaced uh, in those two places. But in doing that, it conveys two totally different messages. The first one suggests sort of God's protection over a joyful people, a people who are content, a people who are high-spirited. But what's actually meant is, in fact, the opposite. The lyric is, is supposed to convey that, that we are men and women in need of God, in need of God to keep us hopeful in times of, of difficulty, in times of longing. Um, our sermon series, Comfort and Joy, uh, we're, we're looking at God keeping us in seasons of waiting waiting for his promises to be fulfilled. And, and next week for Christmas, celebrating the joy that we have in Jesus. But this Advent season leading up to Christmas are weeks of, of waiting. And, and we're reminded of God's people who, who waited 
for centuries and centuries and centuries for that promised Messiah to rescue them. They waited trusting God's promises for the Savior. And, and these were promises that they held onto that are displayed for us through the Bible. Researchers say there's, there's five to 600 verses that, that speak to the coming Messiah. This wasn't a bunch of scattered predictions that God's people were waiting on. This was the eternal plan of God. Each promise given to them interrelated and connected to, to God's work in, in history to, to save humankind. I'll share some of them with you. One was from the very beginning in the garden. God promises a descendant. He says the offspring of a woman who would crush the serpent's head. God promises a prophet like Moses. God said that he would be born in Bethlehem. God promises that he would be born of a virgin. God promises a priest, a priest who would surpass the first covenant order. God promises a son and an heir to the throne. And for centuries, God's people waited for what he had promised. And maybe we can relate to this. I don't know, seasons, seasons of waiting. I've experienced it. I'm sure many of us have experienced it, waiting for God to come, waiting on a miracle. Many of us, I believe, are waiting right now. And, and the, yes, there, there can be good waiting, like full of excitement kind of waiting. But waiting often, really, it challenges us. As people, I don't think we like to wait very much. Quite frankly, it's inconvenient, right? We, we wait for Uber rides or phone calls or appointments, or we wait for packages to arrive. We wait in drive-through lines. In our world today, we enjoy things fast and convenient and available, and, and I'm not against innovation in any kind of way. These are great things, but they have likely been invented because the human condition is one that does not like to wait. We have a really hard time with waiting. And it isn't just because waiting is inconvenient. Waiting often is around our, our very deepest struggles that we have, like relief from chronic pain or uh, financial stress or fractured relationships. Um, waiting, waiting can lead us to some different feelings, feelings like worry. Uncertainty, it can cause us to, to fret and then we can brood over something and then we can start to feel anxious, maybe even afraid. Sometimes it can lead us to feeling hopeless. Uh, waiting can lead us to wondering. I don't know if you've ever done this. Maybe if I do this, this will move things forward. Maybe if I try that, something will shift in my life. And we, we turn and kind of rely on ourselves and, and our strength and our strategies and, and our cleverness. But this, this very false sense of, of strength actually only intensifies our, our ineffectiveness for change. Um, the one I hear often is waiting can feel like wasted time, like a, like a stop sign, right? We've been, we've been brought to this standstill. We had plans. It's frustrating. Uh, waiting can lead us to feeling weary. You know, we're, we're keeping watch, but God is delaying in his answering of us, and we feel like giving up. We're, we're exhausted. Waiting can feel like God's 
withdrawn. We, we had this sense of his, his presence in our lives, his goodness to us, and, and now when we need him, and now when we're looking for him, it feels like he's gone off and he's left us. And, and the unrelenting disappointment in waiting can, can leave, leave us feeling heavy. And Proverbs even says this, it says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, when we're waiting and, and we're holding on to that hope and, and we're waiting and it starts to bear us down and, and we are waiting and we are waiting and it's heavy within us. Like when David was talking to his soul in Psalm 42 and he asked, why, why my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? But then he says, to his soul, put your hope in God. You know, when our hope is in us, it will leave us feeling discouraged. When we put our hope in us, our results, our outcomes, our circumstances, we can feel disheartened, disappointed, or sad. David said, put your hope in God. That's where our hope is to be placed, not in us, but in him. And, and when we put our hope in him, when we, when we wait on him, this, this is where we find strength. And God shares this with us. He, he brought comfort to his people through uh, the prophet Isaiah when uh, they were in a really difficult, very long season of waiting. And he said to Isaiah, go and tell my people. And then Isaiah 40, verse 31 said, those who wait upon the Lord, like hope in the Lord, will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. When we wait upon the Lord, we are a people of, of renewed strength. Because our hope is no longer in our finite capacity, but instead in God's limitless potential. God says, when you wait in me, you have Holy Spirit strength and power, every resource available in Christ. So when we move the weight of trust off of ourselves and reorient on to God, now nothing is impossible because nothing is impossible for our God. Just think of, of how God's power was, was displayed in the Christmas story. The creator of the universe, distinct from, from creation, becomes a part of the world without ceasing to be the uncreated. This is power and greatness greater than we could ever understand. And when we think about how he came into the world at Christmas so that we would be saved through him by his life and his death and his resurrection. This is an, an awesome power, a power that could raise Jesus from the dead where God sat him on the throne in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to, to governments. It, it isn't just that he is powerful, he rules in power. From the beginning to forevermore, all authority, all glory is his. 
It isn't just that might and dominion are in him. Then he freely gives his power to his people by his spirit. And, and this kind of power, this amazing kind of power, this inspires us to hope. Right? If we're waiting for a baby, hope in him. He's the creator of all things. If we're waiting for healing of our bodies, hope in him. He is the divine healer. If we are waiting for a fractured relationship to be restored, hope in him. He is the prince of peace. He is the restorer, the redeemer, the reconciler. All these things are possible with him. And waiting on God, hoping in him. It's not going to be about the absence of difficulty, but the addition of his strength that goes deeper than our challenges. When we think about comfort, we can immediately think about feeling good on the inside, but, but comfort isn't just about our feelings. It is about the presence of his strength and his hope in distress and in suffering. When we wait upon the Lord, we are a people of renewed strength. It's, the scripture says we will mount up with wings like eagles. Have you ever seen an, an eagle fly? They soar, right? Soaring is this, this style of flying where they hold their wings out and they rarely flap. And this, this saves them considerable amounts of energy. Instead of flapping, they're relying on the air currents that are around them to gain altitude. And this is exactly what we are talking about. We are raised up from our earthly place and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. There's no flapping. There's no striving. We don't need to spend our energy. We don't need to try and do this in our own strength. His power keeps us. His power makes these things possible. So when we wait on God, our strength is renewed because he keeps us and he, he supports us and, and he enables us to reach the heights. When we wait on God, we wait with divine power. Divine power. And and, and from up there, the, that eagle, that vantage point, we also wait with divine perspective. Like consider, consider the eagle, right? Where are they? Up high, where are we? Down here in the middle of it. We, we, can't, we can't see anything except for what is going on immediately right in front of us. But with God, with God, he gives us spiritual vision. Just think about an eagle's vision. The way that God created the, the eagle's eye, it's, it's exceptionally sharp. That's where we get that expression from, right? The, the eagle eye expression. An eagle can, can spot an object as small as a rabbit from over three kilometers away. We would have to look through powerful binoculars to see something like that. But when, he, when we wait on God, he, he does this. He increases the scope of our perspective, we can look closely at him and he enables us to see him, who he is, all of his invisible qualities, his divine nature, all that he does, his magnificent power. We can, we can look back 
and, and see his consistency, God faithfully showing up over the course of history, how he faithfully shows up in our lives today. Right, we, can, we can see the deeds of the Lord. We can take in his faithfulness. We can look forward. We can focus on the vision that God has for us, the grand vision that God has for us. This is not the end. Death is the entranceway into paradise, life with him forever in the midst of his glory. And that one day he will be restoring all things. There will be no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. He gives us a vision of what is up ahead. When we, um, when the present seems to empty every good thing out of it. We can look to the past and we can look to his future promises and use them to inspire our hope. Um, Did you know that an eagle can see with its eyes shut? I did not know this. Eagles have a standard pair of eyelids and then they also have a second set of clear eyelids. And the second layer is drawn over the eye as it flies towards the sun. It's the kind of vision that the Lord gives us. What a picture. This is the kind of vision where we can fix our direction to Jesus and trust him with our life. That even when our circumstances may not change, he changes our our perspective in our circumstances. We recalibrate the focus of our faith. Like Christmas, you know, the Lord of the heavens and the earth born a baby to a young virgin mother, a king who veiled his majesty within human flesh, disguised his his splendor. He hid his name. He lit a life among the, the poor and the diseased and the condemned. Earthly eyes always seeing but never perceiving. But with him, we look at things not that we see, but the things in the unseen. We can lift our gaze to divine power and strength. We can raise our thoughts to the highest place. God elevates our, our vision to his beauty and wonder and majesty and glory. When, when we wait on God, our waiting is with a divine perspective. When we wait upon the Lord, we're people of renewed strength. We mount up with wings like eagles, and we run, we walk. When we wait in God, we wait with divine purpose. Even though waiting feels stuck, these words here in the scripture, run and walk, they show us waiting isn't stopped. We're headed somewhere. Yes, sometimes faster, sometimes slower. But God has a plan. God has a purpose for our lives. And at Christmas, when we think about God's people from way back, waiting centuries for the Messiah, it was impossible to know or fully know or or explain God's plan with Jesus. When he was coming, what would it be like? But Jesus arrived at just the right time, in the right place, and the right way. And it's true for us. God is going to come through on schedule for us, fulfilling his long-appointed plan for each of us. That manger at Christmas, it is, is the reminder that we are loved and prized by God. God who stepped down from heaven and arrived at the, the perfect time for us. 
God, at exactly the right time in history, he sent his son. He has a plan. Christmas shows us this. It is the evidence of this. So we're able to trust that he also has a plan for our lives, plans that will not harm us, plans that will work out for our good. And there may be times where, where we're not experiencing our plans for our life. And, and it is important to acknowledge that, that change and disappointment are hard. Um, frankly, it can feel like loss or grief even. Um, but as that, that sorrow churns within asset, it is an opportunity to rely on God, to hold on to God, to consider the miraculous pregnancies, the angel and the dreams, the, a Christ born, a, a cross carried for us and, and refuse to allow present pain to, to set the boundaries of our future hopes. When we discover what he has in store for us, it will be so much more valuable than anything we ever could have created for ourselves. God doesn't always show up in our appointed way. He certainly doesn't show up at our appointed time. But he comes at the right time. Christmas is evidence of this. God has good plans for us. Just like those people then praying for a savior, praying for rescue, and then on the right day, in the right place, at the right time, Jesus was born. And like today, we pray for rescue from what we may be facing. And on the right day, in the right place, at the right time, God will show up. When we wait in God, we wait with a divine purpose. So when we wait on God, when we hope in him, we are people of renewed strength. We will mount up with wings like eagles. We will run, we will walk. But we're a people who will, who will run and not grow weary, who will walk and not be faint. When we wait on God, we wait with divine perseverance. How long does it cook, take to cook a turkey or travel to see family? or to wrap all those gifts uh, that we're giving to others at Christmas. Good things take time. And thousands upon thousands of years ago, God set his plan in motion and, and he declared the end from the beginning. He will accomplish all of his purposes. And, and God's timing is totally different than our own. It's, it's kind of like when Sean asked me if we're ready to go, and I say, yeah, totally, I'm just finishing my hair, and then 45 minutes we're in the car leaving. <laughs> but Scripture tells us that for God, uh, a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. We, we cannot begin to calculate it. It does not make sense to us. But hoping in him means that we trust the speed of God. We learn to trust a, a frame of reference that is totally different than ours, one that, that we don't understand, and one that we would often say is too slow. But our God, who is patient, 
certainly isn't slow. I mean, after all, he created the speed of light. He knows what's happening in every part of the universe that's spanning 93 billion light years across. Right? This, isn't, this isn't our time. God's time is outside of our understanding. And the one thing that I do know of God's time is, is that it's relative to his purpose. God is making everything beautiful in its time. The time that he purposefully chose for it. And he does that out of a wisdom that is far beyond ours. At Christmas, you know, Jesus stepped into time into this uh, fully human form and he dwelt among us, growing from baby to child to, to adult. And, and when the time was right, the kingdom of God was at hand and Jesus displayed marvelous wisdom and performed miracles and, and signs. And then when the time was right, he obeyed his father to the point of death on a cross. And when the time was right, three days later, he rose from the grave. God raised him back to life where, where he sits at the right hand of God and he waits for when the time is right, when he will make his enemies his footstool, when the time is right for all things to be restored as God had promised long ago. He was and he is and he, he is to come. He is forever doing something, whether we can see it or not. He Across all time, he works all things in all places according to his will to accomplish his purposes, his purpose for our world and, and his purpose in each of our lives, even when it looks like weeding. But our timing is relative and unreliable from an earthly perspective. And, and the problem is it can sometimes shape expectations that can lead us to disappointment. So instead we trust the speed of God because his timing's perfect and his plan has a process, a, a process of growing and maturing and, and developing in our current circumstances exactly where we are. It's intentional, it is important. And that, that love that we have for, for getting things quickly, or maybe even have gotten used to getting things quickly, this habit of getting things fast, it's, it's going to lead us to, to disappointment because life is a process. There's, there's no getting around that. It takes time. And he has a process for the plan that he has created for our lives, and he will not fail. The Lord will fulfill his promise in you and, in, and for me. His loving devotion to his people endures forever. He will not stop now. He will see it through. He will sustain us to the very end. And, and this is our, our courage to continue, our confidence to stand firm because he, he who began a good work, in each of us will see it to completion. He is our confidence. He is our courage to continue because what he starts, he finishes. So when we wait on God, when, we, when we're hoping in him, we, we do it with divine perseverance. And, and in God, there's, there's this, this comfort for the comfortless. 
help for the helpless, when we uh, turn away from our own strength and, and we wait on him, when we hope in him, he will renew us our strength. And when we do this, when we hope in him, this is where we wait with, with divine power and divine perspective and divine purpose and, and divine perseverance. We practice this kind of waiting when we're waiting and we live this out and we continue to learn to recalibrate our focus off of us and back on to him. This is where hope is. And I love the way that, that God gave this message, this, this verse to Isaiah. He said to Isaiah, comfort, comfort my people. Right? He, he says to them, go tell them. Go comfort. He says, speak to them. Make it clear how my bright glory will shine. God tells Isaiah, he says, shout. You are the bringer of good news. Raise your voice. Make it good and loud. Don't hold back. Tell them of my greatness, my majesty, my power. Reassure them. Comfort them. Bring them hope. And I love this because it is a picture for us. How God invites his, his people to, to experience hope in him and then invites us to be bringers of that hope, that same hope to others. Like Isaiah to God's people so many years before this Christmas, we can bring comfort and hope to those in need. We can recount his story, reminding others of his faithfulness from the beginning to the end that he will save us and by him inspire hope to those who are hurting. We can share of his sacrificial love as the king of glory stepped down from heaven to be born as a, as a baby, a God who comes so close, a God who is with us. We bring comfort to those by his message to others who feel abandoned. We can tell others of his unbelievable, incomparable great power, power that came upon a virgin by his Holy Spirit and she became pregnant, Jesus, who lived and died for, for our sake. We can, we can proclaim his power to those who are feeling powerless in our lives. We are comfort bringers. We are power proclaimers to others. We, we are hope sharers, hope that, that brings strength to the weary, hope that, that increases power to the weak. So as you, as you wait for his arrival, whether at Christmas or for an answer that you have been longing for. It is my hope that you know his comfort, that, that you would know his hope, and that you would bring this hope and this comfort to others this Christmas. Let's pray. <laughs>